yes, you are listening to the first live Open Mic Friday broadcast for 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're here to answer any of your questions that you might have about what we talked about the previous few days or any theological question on your mind at all. How do you get a hold of me? Well, in St. Louis, you simply dial 8210850. And anywhere in North America, toll free 1-800-730-2727. And while we're waiting for calls, we're going to be continuing our discussion about what we had with Wes Reimnitz yesterday, where we're there was a survey among millennials. Mark Kiesling is the director of LCMS Youth Ministry, and he and a Juliana Schultz wrote an article in the latest Concordia Journal indicating what they found. And we talked a little bit about it, but I want to give you some more information. We really realize that one of the most important elements in a young person's continuing to go to church are the parents. The parents really make a difference as to whether or not a young person will continue to be going to church on a regular basis. Uh, For example, they have a chart here from the survey where... Individuals had parents that did not read their Bible at home. And if they did not read their Bible at home, then there was a high percentage of individuals who did not go to church. If the parents frequently attended worship, there was another high percentage of young people who continued to frequent worship. What was next was kind of interesting to me. They asked whether or not they, these young people, related well with their father in high school. And uh, the ones that did, 43% of them uh, attended church uh, pretty regularly. They were active. Uh, 25% still did not. And how about talking to mom about life issues in high school? Those who were able to talk to their mother, and I'm assuming that this was primarily also women, 73% were active members of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And those able to talk to their dad about life issues, 63% were active. That's really kind of interesting. So talking to parents about faith, those who were able to do that, 63% ended up continuing to be going to church. The, The one that got me most, though, parents who were open to their questions and their doubts. In other words, they didn't say, ah, just believe it, but really talk to them about it. 88% of the young people who had parents who were open to questions continued to attend church. 88%. We got more to talk about that, but as promised, this is Open Mic Friday. 
So we're going to go to our phones, and the first person is James. Is Hello, Pastor. Well, you're the first one in 2019, <laughs> and you were the last one in 2018. Right. We've uh, started a, a new study with you, and so we have some pertinent questions. All right. Why okay. don't you ask them as long as they're not in the Old Testament? Actually, they're in the New. They're in the New. Uh, we like a proper understanding of Romans 3, verses 21 through 24. And the question is, what is the distinction between atonement and justification? Are these a concept that is separate or part of the process of being validated and uh, seen right in the sight of God? Okay, I'll have to... The word atonement, where did you get that? Uh, we, we've been listening to you oh, okay. for a while, and we're trying to get the new guys integrated. Sounds good to me. You got, okay. And uh, you're going off the air as usual. Yes, sir. Okay. God bless, and good to hear from you, James. And uh, while James is off the air, anybody else can phone at 8210850 or toll-free 1-800-730-2727. Let's take a look at Romans 3, 21 and 22. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Now, what he's talking about being no distinction is a distinction between Jew and Gentile. If you had um, listened to my Bible study on Wednesday, we went through a portion of chapter 3 where there are many Old Testament passages that Paul uses to make the point there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody who does good, no, not even one. But in regard to this now, the righteousness of God, okay, this is a way you can find out what Paul was dealing with. If you go up to anybody and ask them, does God want us to be righteous? And they say yes. And you ask, what does that mean? They will always say, mainly, that that means we need to be righteous like God. God gives us his commandments. It's like a parent to a child. The parents want the child to obey them. And so the idea is, when people think of the righteousness of God, that is his will that we follow his rules. And insofar as we follow his rules, then he will be pleased with us, he will love us, and will save us. Every religion in the world outside of Christianity teaches that. But what this text says, that this righteousness of God that we need to have is really manifested. That means it comes to us, it appears to us, apart from the law. Now, in this verse, the word law is used twice, but it has different meanings. This first use, apart from the law, simply means apart from our obedience to the law. 
somebody who thinks they're saved by obedience to the law, that's called legalism. They look at the legal requirements that God demands, and they try to fulfill them. And they think they do. Remember the Pharisee? Thank God I'm not like that terrible sinner over there because I do this, I do that, etc. And as Jesus said, he did not go down to his house justified because he was self-righteous. Apart from the law. Now, the next phrase, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, there we again have the word law. Now, it's interesting in my English translation, the first law, the L is not capitalized. The second law, the law is capitalized, and the word prophets are capitalized. Why is that? Well, remember when we talk about the division in the New Testament books, we talk about the gospel and the epistles. And a lot of times the G and the E are capitalized because that's the division of the New Testament. When Paul uses the word law a second time in the same verse, the law and the prophets, that was the division of the Old Testament books. Sometimes there was a three-part division, law, prophets, and writings. But the law would refer to the first five books of Moses, and the prophets would be all the rest of the books of the Old Testament. What Paul is saying is that if you read the five books of Moses and the rest of the prophets— we see a witness from God himself that the righteousness we need is provided us apart from our obedience to the law. I I don't know how many times I've used this, probably a thousand times, but adoption is the best example. A child gets adopted even though then the parents expect the child to begin obeying the rules of the household, that obedience has nothing to do with their having been adopted. That adoption takes place first. In fact, you can't even be obedient in a family until you become a member of the family. Similarly, it's impossible to be obedient to God until you become a member of his family, the Holy Christian Church here on earth. And... Both the books of Moses and the prophets testify that the way righteousness comes to us is not by obedience to the law, but instead by faith, trust in the promises. Uh, In the Old Testament, we got Adam and Eve. God makes a promise to the serpent that from the seed of Eve would come the Messiah, Eve thinks at the birth of Cain, I have gotten a man, the Lord, she says in chapter 4, verse 1. Well, no, she was wrong. That was the first murderer. From her seed would come the Messiah, but it would be generations down until Gabriel visited with Mary. So the law and the prophets bear witness that we are not saved by our obedience, but by our faith in the promises of God. Eve and Adam all obviously had that faith. And and remember Abraham, your wife, who's very old, is going to have a child. Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now, this is 
what started the Reformation. As Luther began to recognize that the righteousness of God that he was to have was not something he did, but it was a gift from God. The Bible talks about it in the terms, both in Isaiah, Revelation, as the robe of righteousness. This is Christ's righteousness that we are dressed in. So, verse 22 goes on. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Now, what does he mean by that? It doesn't matter if you're male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. You receive the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is Christianity at its best. It's what started the Reformation. Salvation by grace, which means it comes to us who do not deserve it, through faith, which means those who believe in the promises of the gospel in Christ Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. Now, the other question James asks is, what's the difference between atonement and justification? Justification, I would put down as talking about the difference between that and sanctification. We definitely do good works. It's just that they do not bring us into the family of God as an adopted child. They are a response to being a member of the family of God. So justification would be distinguished from sanctification. And that means sanctification is our response. Now, he also asked about atonement. I'm not sure where I heard this, but divide the word up. At one meant. In other words, when you are justified by God, and that's on the basis of a faith that the Holy Spirit has given to you, guess what that means? It means you are now one with God. What does it mean to be one with God? It means you're part of his family. God is your father. Jesus is your brother. The Holy Spirit is your sanctifier. So I would say justification is an action by God. Atonement is the result of that action, that you are now one with God. So I hope that answers the question. All right, without further ado, uh, let's go to our next individual who's on the line. Is this Joe? Hi, Joe, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, a while ago, um, you were mentioning something about uh, distinction of uh, people who are wanting to be pleasing to others, and I'm not 100% sure uh, if it was as opposed to... Um, pleasing other people by serving uh, is kind of what I thought, but didn't, 
don't have a chance to listen to you all the time, and I was wondering if you ever uh, went any further with that and who you, you had mentioned that you had uh, been reading some material from someone, but you didn't say who it was. But uh, do you remember what I'm talking about? Well, not really um, in the sense I, I've talked about pleasing. If you do something nice to someone, you have two motivations. You either want to be motivated by your love for Christ or you want to be motivated out of self-interest. Self-interest mm -hmm. would lead to you wanting to be pleased by these people, which means they would have to know who you were. Uh, for example, how many of us contribute to uh, various charities where nobody is going to know who we were when we contributed to them? So the motivation there wouldn't be that we want to be pleasing to them, but it could be in a sinful way that we want to be pleasing to ourselves. It makes us feel good. Whereas right. in reality, we, by the Holy Spirit, are able to do good things for other people without a self-interest motivation. But because of what Christ has done for us, we're willing to be uh, helpful and serve them, even though they may oh. not deserve it. Okay. Uh, so did you... Uh... I guess when the, the show that I heard, you were saying that um, you had some material that you weren't going to um, reveal who it was just yet, but you were going to be doing some more uh, shows about that topic. And I just didn't know if you ever did any more of them, if, which shows it would have been. Or Do you recall uh, if that was about when I'm talking about the difference between a vertical and horizontal relationship? Yeah, I think it was all involved. And that's, it just really, the, the half hour that I listened to it, I thought, it, it was just really a lot of uh, different um, aspects of yes. motivation and everything else. And it really, I was really trying to ponder that and uh, just wondering if you ever uh, went any further with it. Well, believers have a vertical relationship with God because of what he has done for them, and they believe in that. Therefore, when they are doing good, a lot of times they're doing it out of thankfulness to God. They're not doing it to please God because God is already pleased with them in light of Jesus Christ. But in unbelievers, they only have a horizontal relationship with others, and therefore everything they do is really out of self-interest because they have no interest in God, and that's the only other interest that is available to them. And so they'll do things. Uh, how many times have you heard somebody say, okay, I'll do it, but what's in it for me? That, right. That, that, that's their understanding of that. And that changes entirely when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, because you're not interested in what's in it for you, because you've already gained everything. Heaven is your home. Blessings are coming down on you, and nothing bad. Uh, all things will work together for your good. So there's no necessity to do something in order to get something from God. That was part of that conversation. Is that helpful? Yeah, and uh, absolutely, but you know, living that way day to day, like I know that so much of my motivation is absolutely selfish. Uh, well, no, 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 I, I'm going to correct you there, Joe. All of your motivation is selfish when you're dealing with the old Adam. 
Right, right, right. And all you're saying there is, yes, even when I do a sinless good work by the power of the Holy Spirit, the old Adam always has a selfish motivation. Sometimes I recognize it, sometimes I don't. Agreed. And then you had another, somehow you tied that to the fear of death. Uh, on the show that I was listening. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, I remember that. Um, All religions are based on trying to get rid of the fear of death because that's really what a lot of people are worried about. And so every religion has a hope, but only one religion has the true hope, and that's Christianity. So even an uh, atheist... Uh, still has a fear of death, but he tries and gets surrounded by saying, there is no God that I need to be afraid of. Uh, I'll just go out of existence or whatever he thinks is going to happen. The fact of the matter is the fear of death is what drives people a lot of times to do good works in order to overcome their fear of death. And when you ask them, if you to die tonight... You know, are you going to have a, a good place to go to? And they'll say, well, yeah, I've been a pretty good person. <laughs> and in yeah, that so sense, that's what death, they're doing. Like it, so so your point there is is that the, the good works are just earning you a place in eternity somehow, like just every other religion of works. Yes. That that That's the main point is that the the list of good things outweighs the list of bad is just what the sinful nature how, how we think. The best example of that, I've already mentioned it, is a parable Jesus gives where the Pharisee says, thank God I'm not like that tax collector because I, and then he begins to list ceremonial laws. He fasts, right. he ties, etc. That's the thinking of the old Adam because, see, that's right. the way it works in the secular world. Right, right. And people yeah, just... you do a good job, you get, you get a benefit for doing good work you get a promotion yeah right and that's what every religion is based on that's why luther talks about them in 1518 as theologians of self-glory they look at their experience see how they get ahead and transfer that to god and their route to heaven well see that's like I, i i have many many acquaintances and the evangelical uh, uh, persuasion, and I guess what really got me interested is I don't believe that that many many Christians think they ever they have this with us anymore. That as you know, when you pray the prayer or invite Jesus into your heart, that all this is fixed, and that that motivation is no longer present. And I just see it in myself and everyone else, and and wondering how do you really believe that you don't have any selfish motivations anymore how is that possible for for a christian to believe that well that uh, I, I guess that's what i was just wondering is is it's the I, old it's something that it's the old adam that believes that the christian yeah. new man doesn't i have a set of questions when you ask these people that you're talking about they always tend to give the right answers like if you would ask them when you die and go to heaven, who will you give all the credit to for your salvation? Every Christian answers Jesus. Yeah. And then they still think that their invitation to him is what saved them. And that's where they and, get mixed up. 
And do you just leave them be instead of disturbing them, like trying to press them on? No, that? no, no. Uh, we do disturb. See, the goal of preaching is to get people to think like God rather right. than the way they normally do. And so once you give Bible passages, uh, for example, Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. Right. I mean, what are they going to do with a passage like that? So, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's, it just seems like it's, it's, uh, it's a never-ending battle. And oh, yeah, because the uh, devil is never-ending attacking. Right. Hey, I really appreciate the call, Joe. Yeah. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Call again, and anybody else can call, except we only have 10 seconds. So, thanks very much, James and Joe, O2Js. Uh, we're looking forward. Monday, we're going to be taking a look at lessons for the following Sunday, which is um, Epiphany season still. Uh, Monday, uh, the gospel, I believe, is on Jesus changing water into wine. And I'm going to share with you something on Monday that I'm planning on doing now uh, for some time. And I hope you'll be listening at 9.30 Monday. If you have any questions, my email is lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. Don't hesitate to write. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.